You are listening to Cape Shit, a podcast taking a chronological and often spoiler-heavy look into the Marvel Cinematic Universe films, one film at a time. Okay, let's get this show on the road, gang. Meet the sulky, over-funky, kinda hunky superhero A two-fisted and electrically transistored superhero An exotically neurotic and aquatic superhero The Marvel superheroes have arrived Superpowered from the forehead to the toes Watch them change their very shape before your nose See our cane-striking superhero change to Viking superhero A-ha-fling and real swing and shield-flinging superhero They're the latest, they're the greatest, ultimate superheroes The Marvel superheroes have arrived Doctor Banner, belted by Gamma Rays Welcome once again to Cape Shit. This is episode two. That's the second episode, in case you were wondering how numbers worked. Uh, I am Daniel Harper, and uh, this is the podcast where we talk about all the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, in order. And then maybe when we're done with that, we'll uh, do some other Cape Shit. Who knows? Anyway, today I'm joined by my uh, regular co-host, who you should know very well if you've been watching and listening to things on this feed, uh, Lee Russell. Say hello, Lee. You wouldn't like me when I'm sober, Daniel. Well, you are pretty sober right now, and I'm, mm. and I'm not, and I'm not really liking you. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to fix that as we go yeah, along. Working on that, yeah. Uh, and also giggling in the background, you can. Uh, we do have a special guest on this episode who you have heard on this podcast before. Your Kit Power, Kit, say hello. Pissed off and ready for round three, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. I see. I don't. I'm not. I'm not clever enough to like come up with like funny names for for people on the podcast every week the way uh, Lee does. Uh, really, it's just it shows my complete lack of interest in doing anything entertaining for the audience but um <laughs> that being said uh we are going to be digging into uh, the second film of the uh mcu today and that is uh, the incredible hulk from 2008 uh before we get into that though we're going to carry over a, a trend from the uh, main they must be destroyed on site show and we're going to read some comments so lee i think you got a uh, one or two for us today just one from uh, Jeff Williams, who is a constant uh, contributor to They Must Be Destroyed on Site. A constant and, and irritating contributor or a constant and welcome contributor? He's a welcome contributor because he's okay. always recommending interesting uh, films, and we've covered several of them in the last couple months. So, yeah. yeah. He just has this one brief comment for us here. Still waiting for that Scarlett Johansson podcast. There we go. Well, one more episode. It's going to start. That's the, you know. <laughs> I think the world is still waiting for that, surely. As, as, as we are waiting for the Black Widow movie, it's the same basic problem. <laughs> Actually, Scarlett Johansson, if you're listening, and I'm sure you are, please feel free. We'd love to have you as a guest. Yeah, get, get your people in contact with our people. and. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my people are uh, Jack Graham. He, he's the one who handles all my uh, personal correspondence these days. You know. So, uh, anyway, so uh, 
Thank you so much for the uh, for the uh, comment there, Jeff. And uh, if you do want to comment on this, uh, you can find us at the uh, They Must Be Destroyed on site uh, Facebook group. I'm not on Facebook much anymore, but Lee will make sure I see anything I need to see. All right, so we're going to uh, just jump right into the film, if that's okay with everybody here. Uh, this is, again, The Incredible Hulk. I'm going to uh, kind of put us uh, a little bit into the history here. Um, this is the lowest grossing of the 21 Marvel Cinematic Universe films that were released so far. This one has did make... Um, domestically in the U.S., $134 million, which, again, puts it well above what our average They Must Be Destroyed on Sight film makes by about $130 million. Yeah. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but it is by far the uh, the lowest grosser there, or by a significant chunk. We'll get to that kind of later on. Uh, the top five, the uh, week this uh, movie was released on uh, June 13th, 2008, were The Incredible Hulk at one this weekend, Kung Fu Panda at number two, The Happening at number three, you don't mess with the Zohan at number four, and Indiana Jones and the Kingdom Skull at, at Indiana no. Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I couldn't even say the full title at number five. <laughs> Without uh, so choking you, with rage, <laughs> this put you back into uh, the history of like where we were in that particular pop culture moment. And I just noticed at number seven, uh, the, the the film Iron Man was still on, uh, was still was still in theaters, and still making money. Um, <laughs> at that point, uh, Iron Man had made only two hundred ninety-seven million dollars. So uh, only, yeah. yeah. And in five weeks of release, which uh, shows you again, one of the things we're trying to do here is to examine uh, why these films are popular and kind of how this became sort of the model of Hollywood sort of going on now. And yeah, I think I think that number explains quite a bit of it just right there. So anyway, let's get started here. Kit, let's start with you. Um, first of all, when did you first see the film? So I didn't see this film at the cinema. Yet, so it would have been a DVD release or a rental or something like that. I honestly can't remember. Uh, I can't remember the first time I saw it, except that it was a small screen experience rather than a big screen, which is unusual for me because I'm uh, the Hulk's probably one of my favourite characters in the Marvel canon, probably one of my favourite characters in comics full stop, actually. I think there's something incredibly appealing about the notion that you can get angry enough to turn big and green and smash the shit out of absolutely everything. I think that's just an inherently incredibly appealing idea. I think kind of Jack and Hyde. Are things you haven't told us there, Kit, about, about your personality? <laughs> <laughs> no, nobody likes me whether I'm angry or not, which, you know, only because they've met me. But yeah, so I, I just I just think there's something enormously appealing about the character. So it's surprising I didn't. I think part of that was because at the time I had a very strong affinity for the Ang Lee Hulk movie, which mm-hmm. I still think is by far the superior and one of my favorite superhero movies of all time. And I had a feeling this wasn't going to be as good uh, about which I was correct. But when I did eventually see it, I was pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoyed it. Uh, And I have seen it, I don't know, three or four times, I guess. The fourth time probably being this afternoon when I watched it again with my daughter in preparation for our conversation tonight. So, yeah, that's my history with the film. Awesome. Uh, Lee, when's the first time you saw this? Uh, It would have to be for the podcast. Um, I thought I had seen this before, but I just had seen clips here and there and sort of knew the basic outline of what the movie was about. But I had actually never watched it. And... I think in part the reason was I didn't realize this was actually officially part of the MCU canon. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I don't know if a lot of people we'll actually that, but yeah. do know that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I, I assume this was, and it effectively is a soft reboot of the Ang Lee film, pretty much. I mean, re- doing some reading afterwards, after the fact, they did want to bring like Eric Bana back and Sam Elliott wanted to come back. And so they were looking basically this to do another Hulk film, like a sequel or some sort of reboot or something of the, of that first film. And yeah, just watched it this week and uh, rewatched it a little bit today. 
and that's kind of my history with it. Uh, yeah. Awesome. For me, my, I saw this, uh, I did not see this in theaters. I didn't see this until just a, like a, three or four years ago on like basic cable for the first time <laughs> and um, was, uh, you know, I'd heard, you know, kind of mixed reviews on it. I, w- I was pleasantly surprised by how much I liked it at the time. And then I uh, rewatched it last night um, in preparation for this podcast. And uh, yeah, I mean, I've got some opinions on this. So um, I guess whoever really wants to start, like, um, I mean, who wants to who wants to kind of give uh, kind of overall impressions of the film itself? Um, I will. I liked it quite a bit. Um, I was pleasantly surprised with how good it actually was because it has that sort of reputation of being like the redheaded stepchild of the MCU uh, doing some reading here. And it seems to be a movie that no one really wants to talk about. Like they sort of bury it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's unfairly buried because it kind of does a lot of the same things. A lot of the other MCU movies do that. It gives you a lot of action, gives you compelling characters. Uh, I think the performances are all pretty solid across the board for the most part, even though like poor Liv T- Tyler doesn't, get much to do in the film other than be like a peril monkey, you know, that has to be saved. There, there's not much in the script. There's a lot in her performance. We'll just leave it there. Yeah. yeah that's um, but I think one of the distinct improvements from the Ang Lee film is that the action here is much more evenly spaced throughout the film. Like you get a lot more stuff moving the, the film forward. So it doesn't feel too long. And yeah, like I said, I like the performances a lot. I think Edward Norton hits it out of the park and I'm kind of, well, I'm not surprised that he didn't come back because apparently he's just a fucking dick and nobody in Hollywood likes him. <laughs> so he, he's very talented. He's a bit of a control freak. And by a yeah. bit of a control freak, he's an incredibly doctrinaire control freak about everything he does. Apparently he tried to rewrite this script. So, you know. Yeah, he re- rewrote some stuff, did some like second unit directing or something on it as well at parts. Just uh, all kinds of shit. But it does what future MCU films would do, even though they don't want to acknowledge this film so much. They do take a lot of the sort of things that this does where even more than in Iron Man, they set up little hints and little Easter eggs and stuff for like future films. The possibility, at least, of future films. Yeah. You have all kinds of Hulk canon stuff in this film, like the origin of the leader, you know, Tim Blake Nelson, Buster Scruggs himself, uh, as uh, okay. Sam- Samuel Stearns. He's basically the leader <clears throat> in the comic books. Ty Burrell as uh, Leonard Sampson. He's a character in, in the comic books as like a uh, irradiated Jewish superhero in the, in the Hulk books. <laughs> and here he's just the therapist or boyfriend of uh, Liv Tyler after she's moved mm. on, quote unquote, which she moves on from him really quickly as soon as <laughs> she, Bruce comes she goes back. back. She goes back pretty fast, and this guy's like, well, I guess, you know, I can't be big, green, and mean, so, you know, yeah. not, well, not, it, not to do here. It, it feels like they were thinking... Hold on, hold on. Gentile coming through. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, it, it feels like they were, they were betting on, hey, we could... I think we got a good film here. We might get some sequels out of this. So let's set up a possible Leonard Sampson villain down the line. Let's set up the leader for down the line. Let's put the abomination in jail instead of kill him off. And yeah. I th- and I think they were considering bringing the abomination back for one of the Avengers films, but they scrapped it at the last minute. So William Hurt's character does show up like eight years later in the second Captain America yeah. film. So they do bring him back. So this <clears throat> is continuity. Uh, it's just like the first Iron Man where some of the actors are different and <laughs> they forget some things, but it's still kind of <laughs> continuity. So, But uh, overall, I think it works. It, it goes by fairly quickly for about a two-hour film, and I didn't have any major problems with it. it. Like Kit says, the Ang Lee one is 
a lot more thoughtful and has, I think, a lot more to say about certain aspects. But this is this does a good job of giving you the Hulk, um, and it gives you his origin in a montage at the in the opening credits, which I really love. Yeah. I was not signing up for another fucking origin story. I don't need yeah. that shit. So. Yeah, the one thing I do appreciate, I mean, one of the big things I do appreciate about this is that it doesn't feel the need to give us the origin story again. Mm-hmm. Well, Christ, you guys, given the series you guys have set yourself up for, yeah, be very grateful indeed that you got <laughs> to skip at least one of these fucking things. Because it's, it, I mean, I've, I've watched all of them, uh, not as a project, because my kid loves them, right? So mm-hmm. I've sat and watched the entire, I've done them all now in order, the entire MCU. And yeah, there, it was some point around Ant-Man, where I was, and, which I liked, but watching Ant-Man for the second time, I was just like, oh, really? I've got another hour of this shit before we get to the <laughs> going small. I've got to deal with all of this bullshit again. So yeah, I, I agree. I think that's a major strength of the film, absolutely. Yeah, and I think that, that kind of comes out of, you know, um, I, I to, just to put a point on something you were saying there is that the the idea that there's stuff kind of seeded in for future films. I mean, that's certainly something that the um, the Avengers uh, series that the MCU is kind of known for. But that certainly, I mean, like Spider-Man was doing that in like the 2000s. And at this point, it, you know, both Batman Begins and the Dark Knight had been released. I mean, the idea of kind of like mm. seeding in the Easter eggs was definitely sort of part of the pop culture at this point. And you were seeing that even in you know, kind of non-comic book comic book movies. But yeah, I mean, that's one thing that the MCU is going to be known for is sticking in Easter eggs that only the hardcore fans are going to find. Mm-hmm. As for myself, I'm not, you know, I'm not really, I never really read any of the, uh, the Hulk comics. So all this was just kind of new to me, you know? So it was just sort of like, oh yeah, that's a cool character. I wasn't sure why they were putting so much attention on the uh, on boyfriend, Liv Tyler's boyfriend character, but it does make sense if he's intended to be, you know, yeah, cause another, he's just, another superhero. You know? He's just forgotten at the end. Like he's, he just, he's just dropped out of the picture <laughs> near the end there. So it's like, you, you know, they were thinking about bringing him back for something. They just never have. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe the maybe the next iteration of the MCU after they kill half of them off or whatever, he'll come back if the Hulk's still alive. We'll see. Whatever. You know. mm-hmm. yeah. Well, who knows? Uh, so, Kit, um, thought general thoughts, things you'd uh, like to say that uh, Lee didn't bring yeah, up. Yeah, I just. Uh, I mean, I wanted to disagree with Lee. Certainly, um, you know. Yeah, I, I just I, I want, want. I want. I want, I want to fight, fight here. That's what. That's what we. Uh, we need okay. like well, we as could... if as if we could lift two halves of a police car. And smash them together, and then punch and them. Smash them together, yeah. Against each other. That's the level of conflict in this podcast. You did just name my daughter's favorite single moment in the entire movie. There, by the way, that's <laughs> no kidding. My nine-year-old daughter—that's her favorite moment. She she squeals with delight when that happens. When he smashes the police car in half. I guess we could talk a Your bit about the performances. The Are you too- yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hundred <laughs> percent. As far as the performances go, it's interesting. I I mean, I don't know how much of this is down to my kind of real love of the of the Ang Lee version of the movie but I was really kind of disappointedly to hear that they had the original cast lined up and then decided not to use them um, I do agree with you that Edward Norton is good in this I think it's a good performance as Banner I still prefer Eric Banner's version though I love the idea that he's emotionless because actually this repressed well of rage that's so powerful that he can't display any emotion at all which is a key component of the you know the first sort of 45 minutes of that original Hulk movie and I miss that performance actually and that's not really anything that that Norton does wrong Mm -hmm. it's just I think there was something really exceptional about Eric Banner in that role and I was disappointed to lose 
lose him. I agree with you that Liv Tyler just had nothing to do. That struck me more this time, I think, than on previous occasions because I was really watching very closely, whereas, you know, previous years I've allowed myself to be swept along by the action. And I agree with you, it's very well paced and in that case, better paced than the Ang Lee movie on that score. But geez, Betty Ross is just a non-character. It's really upsetting because there's so much that you could do with that character if you wanted to, like in the script. She could be so much more interesting. She's a doctor. She's super intelligent. There's a lovely moment, actually, where she gets a cab ride. Yeah, like she really loses a rag. <laughs> but it comes out of nowhere. And, there's, and, and at no other point does she display that level of kind of high emotion about anything. That's fun. They could have done a lot more with that. Um, but it's is the fact that we don't have Sam Elliott, you know, because um, his Kermit, his, you know, um, and this guy was kind of, I thought it was really wishy-washy. I didn't think he, he did a lot for me to be Yeah, honest, William so. Hurt's performance in this is... You want to fight me? Or? <laughs> yeah, William Hurt's uh, performance in this is uh, Thunderbolt Ross. I don't like it as much as Sam Elliott's because Sam Elliott's like. felt more natural, like a real person, whereas William Hurt feels like Captain Ahab in this. Like... He, mm. He's very, he's just very single-mindedly obsessed with killing the Hulk and that's it. And, you know, extracting his body for super weapons, basically, kind of thing. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of at a, dis, uh, at a, a disadvantage because I've never seen the uh, original Ang Lee Hulk. Despite oh. really liking Ang Lee's work and, uh, enjoy, you know, I, for some reason that movie has been around for, uh, what, <laughs> 15 years? And I'm like, yeah, yeah I'll see it eventually. Yeah, it's it's an interesting take. It's very different from all the other. It's a bit of a rewrite too, yeah. isn't it? That in particular. One of the things about the series in general, which we mentioned last week, our last episode, was the uh, the the sort of the fact that this series is well known for its heroes, but not so well known for its villains. And here, I think mm-hmm. we get, you know, um, I, I agree that uh, William Hurt's character is not uh, nearly as nuanced as he might be, and there is, you know, this kind of like I mean, there's, there's a little bit of the kind of childish comic origins where you know it's like it's oh and he's like the the girlfriend's dad you know sort of thing which gets revealed spontaneously in the middle of an action scene sort of thing and you know there's a little bit of that going on but i think you know Hurt's performance isn't bad if you just kind of expect him to be oh he's kind of the the, like vaguely sympathetic villain i think more interesting is uh, tim roth's character Mm -hmm. um in the film i think again this 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 kind of um ask that question about again about that sort of military interventionism stuff that we that we spent a lot of time on in the last episode and again i don't want to push that too hard but i think this film does about as well as any any other do except okay. for um possibly um winter soldier at uh, uh, at sort of at sort of uh interrogating the the sort of the, the necessity of you know the american imperial war machine because this one unlike iron man doesn't really have like good guy here good guys so- soldiers in this you know everybody's kind of a dick <laughs> um everybody's yeah. everybody's this this kind of like complete the the war project itself is is shown as being the source of really all the problems in the film and uh it's, uh, it's kind of about the military industrial complex so yeah and tim tim roth is an interesting villain in this one too because he's he's a pure career soldier who lives for nothing else than to be a soldier and he's an aging one like at one point william hurts like how old are you 45 and he's like i'm 39 and he's like oh shit it's like yeah this job is worn on you really bad right and you're getting weaker and weaker you're not as fit as you were 20 years ago and like he he effectively (laughs) He, he effectively, he's like, I want the super soldier serum. I don't care what it does to me as long as it makes me stronger and bigger and I can kill the Hulk and, and move on from there. Like, he, he's very single-minded and 
this is a guy who is kind of he's wrapped up in the uh, in, in the military. He's he's destroyed by it effectively. Like it's it's his it's all he lives for is is to be that sort of tool of the military, and and that's all he does. And it's 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 kind of uh, there there are parallels there to uh, the eventual Winter Soldier stuff. And uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. See, I think. I love his performance in this. I think it's fantastic. I think I was thinking about what you were saying, Lee, about how he's kind of very, uh, you know, he's clearly that career soldier, but he's really, he's really animalistic. He's really kind of vulpine. You know, there's this, there's these expressions he gets on his face where he just looks wolfish, you know, where he's sort mm-hmm. of snarling at the camera almost. But I love how at first you could, because you could have done a version of the story where he's just another good guy. He's just another soldier and it's just, you know, wrong side of the tracks kind of thing. But you know, he's the bad guy because he kicks the dog. Yeah. In like the 15 minutes. <laughs> and, he, and it's a really efficient way of telling us as a, as a cinema audience that he's the bad guy, right? Because it's like the, you know, it's the opposite of save the cat, right? Kick the dog. <laughs> if someone kicks the dog in the first 10 minutes, they're the villain. Doesn't he drink but, the dog as well? Yeah, possibly. He said, yeah, maybe that's, I don't know. But he said, yeah, maybe he shoots the dog. There you go. That's even worse. Yeah, I mean, but, it's, it's not, yeah, it's not he actually, yeah, he shoots it with a, with a tranquilizer okay. dart, you know. So. Shoot, which is just like completely unnecessary at that point. Yeah. Cause <laughs> it's not like the, it's, it's just to stop the dog from barking. That's it. Yeah. But I love the look he gets in his eye after the first fight when he realizes he's up against something new. And I love the way he's kind of relentless in pursuing that kind of like, you know, he sees this power and he just wants it. You know, he just, he just covets it. And I I really like that. I think it's a really kind of interesting, um, I mean, it's not, you know, it's not the deepest characterization in the world, but I think he does a great job with it. And Roth can play a good villain when he wants to. And I think he does a, yeah, I think he's, he, for me, he's the standout in the movie. I think he's probably my favorite single performance in the film. I could go with that. Yeah. My favorite Tim Roth moment is uh, after he, after the second fight with uh, the Hulk. And, uh, you know, he kind of looks up at the, the Hulk who's then breathing hard and is like, <laughs> you know, is, is that all you yeah. got? And then, uh, yeah. no, not, not so much. Oh, and it's it's incredibly like just out of nowhere and and violent, and he just he gets flattened against that fucking tree, and you can oh, kind of see shit. William Hurt like, well, fuck, gotta go back to Plan A or Plan B or whatever, you know? Like <laughs> William Hurt's like, well, all right, let's uh, call guess, in guess more bombs. We're gonna I need guess. some guys, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's a great moment. Go back I'm to just... the uh, go back to the super soldier tank and and get us yeah. some more. Uh, evil chiropractors to inject some shit into my back or whatever, you know, the state of him in the hospital afterwards as well. I mean, that's really, that's one of the more gruesome scenes in the film, actually, where he's just like in the, the full body cast with the wires in his hands and shit. You're just looking at him like, yeah, you, you really did get fucked up. <laughs> <You know>? like, <laughs> do not only, pick a fist fight with the Hulk. It's, it's not going to end like well. One thump and then like dead, done. Yeah. <laughs> it's still- <laughs> It feels I really like he... hope. I really wish that the the one kind of missed opportunity here, and uh, you know, just just to kind of get to the end a little bit, or not the end of the podcast, but you know, um, he does come back at the end of the movie, and he becomes kind of the big bad. Where mm-hmm. you know, in the first movie, we had you know Iron Man fight bigger Iron Man, and then in this film, we get Hulk fights bigger Hulk. <laughs> yeah, um, pretty much. You know, that's a pattern that we're going to see a few more times. I think <laughs> you know, it does. <laughs> it does seem like the, the, we kind of end up with that. That's the ending. 
that was sort of planned. I really wish they had saved that for some sequel or just have that be a subversion and be like, no, this is this this guy's out of commission for the rest of the movie, and then had some other thing that kind of mm-hmm. comes in. That's, because that's I one, think the final third of the film is really the weakest part. And coming back to it, rewatching it, that's the part where I was really like kind of checking my watch a lot more. You know? That's one thing mm-hmm. that's the series due to the due to the uh, medium it's in. It, unlike comic books, they can't just keep bringing the same villains back all the time. Like it, it just so you you notice in like the Marvel movies, the villains usually get one movie and then they're done. You know, mm-hmm. and they're and they're gone, and you don't hear from them again. It's not like every issue of Spider Man you read five issues down the road, it's Mysterio again. Oh, then it's the Green Goblin again, and uh, you know, it, yeah. uh, it's it's a bit more realistic in the in that sense where it's yeah, if, if the if the big bad is going up against the hero, it's, he's probably going to die in the fight. Like it's 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 probably going to be there's going to be an ending there, like a solid ending, uh, or at the very least, they're going to be put out of commission for a really long time. That's one of the that's kind of one of the things actually that got me out of reading comic books when. When I was a teenager, it was like I was just getting tired of seeing the same villains over and over again in the comic books, and they weren't doing anything new with a lot of them. Like Batman's Rogues Gallery is bad for that, really. In in some cases, I think it is bad. At least with Batman, they've got the excuse that he's not allowed to kill anybody. Yeah. So yeah. you know he's kind of locked in, which is why I always struggle with the Batman movies, where you know the villains always ended up like dying at the end. It was always like that's not really kind of you know kind of the whole point of Batman's pathology is that. He beats the shit out of people and puts them in hospital, but he won't kill them, no matter how many people they kill. I mean, like, his morality makes no sense at all, but it makes him an interesting hero. I'm just going to cripple you with six months of traction. (laughs) Painless death is too, is beyond my moral code. Live, okay, yeah. Mm. (laughs) Um, I I will say one thing that, if I have like one big complaint about this film is I think the CGI doesn't really hold up at all yeah. compared compared. I think even the Ang Lee film looks slightly better with its CGI than this one does. I was going to say, that, of, I think it definitely does. I think the Hulk yeah. in particular, the Hulk modeling is much better in the Ang Lee. There's a scene in that where he's covered in water and he does this big, you know, this big reveal. He comes smashing out of a tank and it looks fantastic. And there's mm-hmm. nothing that looks that good in this film. I don't think. Um, and I think the Hulk model is wrong. I think there's something just slightly off about he's it. He's very, um, he's very cut like a MMA fighter or something instead of like <laughs> bigger and bulky than what you might expect from, from yeah. like the comics or whatever. And I think they, they do slightly change that in the Avengers movies and stuff. He gets a bit bigger again and, and stuff yeah. like that, you know, I think they're trying to sort of match Edward Norton's performance. I think they're trying to match like that. Edward Norton is kind of this, like not just like, like a lanky guy. So you mm-hmm. know, what would kind of a bulky version of that look like, and it would kind of, they're trying to kind of match his frame. Yeah, and I think you know the the that Mark Ruffalo's dad bod look kind of kind of gives it a little bit more of a a little bit more of a freedom <laughs> to, to kind of play around with the, with the um, with the with the physics a little bit more. Um, the, yeah, yeah, I think I think that um, I mean one of the things that all of these films sort of get or, or largely get is that the um, <clears throat> you know Bruce Banner is kind of more interesting than the Hulk. That uh, mm. Tony Stark is more interesting than Iron Man. And uh, we really don't see a lot of the Hulk in this film. And, and I think like some of my, I mean, really my favorite stuff in the film is in the first, the first half or the first third when he's uh, kind of like uh, running around in, in Brazil and speaking Portuguese and working in the, uh, in the soda factory oh. and, you know, the, the stuff where, you know, he's trying to, I mean, he's learning martial arts as a way of like controlling his breathing and controlling his rage. And, you know, and, and uh, this sort of sense of, uh, of, of anxiousness that just sort of kind of pervades all that, that if I get too excited, if I get too upset, 
mm. terrible, terrible things are going to happen. Yeah, and, it's like um, uh, I, I can't fuck the pretty girl on the bottle line because if I do, I'm going to turn into a green rage monster. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even fuck Liv Tyler, and I'm just going to say yep. if there's if there's a, a parallel to, to uh, redheaded pepper pots for you, uh, Liv Tyler in a in a plaid shirt with that thigh right there. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's you know. Um, <laughs> We'll allow we'll allow Kit to uh to chuckle and not have to directly respond for right <laughs> there, but um you know. No, I was thinking like it is this is quintessential Hulk storytelling for me. You're absolutely right. You've hit it on the head there. It's banner on the run. That's the best Hulk stories are always. It's banner on the run, he's got no time, he's trying to control the thing, he's trying to find a cure, and he's being relentlessly pursued by this incredibly powerful military intelligence force. That's that all the best Hulk stories are that story, you know, and, and yeah. every time deviate from that, which they have to, because it's, you know, you can't tell the same story for four years, but that's the, that's always the best version of the Hulk. In the, yeah, in the opening montage, like this, this, this film is actually very, very close in, in some ways to uh, using the Hulk TV series as its source material, mm-hmm. like yeah. down to having Lou Ferrigno in, in a cameo <laughs> and doing the Hulk voices. <laughs> The, the like, Lou Ferrigno cameo felt very like, oh, this movie was made in 2008 to me. Like that moment <laughs> where the narrative just stops and we're going to talk to like a guard for five minutes just to like, yeah. go, hey kids, it's Lou Ferrigno. It's like, wow, this is that era. You know, you, you really don't stop that long for a cameo these days. But, but I mean, they, they even use like when Edward, Edward Norton's on the run and shit, they even use like the sad Hulk music, like from the oh, TV yeah. series. Oh, so, yeah. No, yeah. I actually kind of grew up watching a little bit of that show. Like it used to just kind of be on daytime tv when i was a kid and i have very little memory of it but um and bill bixby shows up on a tv show on a tv in the movie yeah and also funny enough i I was looking at the deleted scenes for this movie and something that's alluded to later on where mark Mark ruffalo says well i tried to commit suicide and shit like that there's actually deleted scene where directly he goes to the north pole and he goes out into the ice flows and tries to kill himself and the hulk stops him from killing himself no. Yeah. <laughs> Captain America has a cameo in that as well. People have it's been confirmed that it's true, so it's not like one of those conspiracy things. If you mm-hmm. pause it at a certain spot, you can see the ice, ice flow break and you can see Cap and his shield in the ice flow. That's really funny. <laughs> That's, That's such really a nerdy funny. shit. <laughs> <laughs> but it's in a deleted scene, so it's clearly not actually canon. Anyway, so <laughs> Well, it's oh. funny you said about the cameo because even the Spike Lee cameo in this feels heavy, doesn't it? It feels like overplayed compared to later movies where he drinks the, you know, because he has a whole like thirty seconds on camera. It's a big. You mean, scene. You mean Stanley instead of Spike Lee? <laughs> yeah, the Spike Slightly Lee different. cameo would have definitely been an interesting place to go. <laughs> Did you guys not see the Spike Lee cameo? Okay, well I won't spoil oh, okay. it for you. What? That's fine. You guys can up. Sorry, you talk about okay, we'll do that. <laughs> He's he's one of the workers in the, uh, in the uh, bottling plant. Oh yeah, he's one of the patrons in the bar in the uh, in the uh, mid credit scene. That's the uh, it's the the bar that Tony Stark comes in and just buys just to, just to piss the general off. He's like, "Get out of here, Stark! I just bought this bar. I'm closing it down. Fuck you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got I nothing else to say about it. Really, I I like the film, and I think it's unfairly overlooked. Yeah, I mean, it's, I I know what you're saying about uh, Daniel about about how Banner's the more important character. There were some lovely Hulk moments in this, though. I think I really like the moment where he he takes. I mean, well, firstly, Hulk 
you know, punching a Jeep is always a good time, you know, taking out military equipment. I just, I could watch that all day on a loop and just be like joy. You know, there's something really very kind of viscerally enjoyable about that. But I also like the, the moment where he takes her up to the cave and he bumps his head. Yeah. I just thought that was, <laughs> that was so great. It was and such it, a cute. And, and that's something everyone does too. They, they bump their head and they get really <laughs> pissed <laughs> off and they throw something. It's like. <laughs> well, <laughs> And then he, he kind of throws a boulder at the lightning cloud, which I just love that idea. Like, he's just yeah. so cross. He just sort of throw. And then this party is like, if I need to hit Thor, that would have just been hysterical. <laughs> but, uh, uh, that's another deleted scene, probably. No. Yeah. <laughs> but it's such a great, like, yeah, kicking the rivalry off, really. But it's such a great, I love those little character notes where you're reminded that, like, you know, Hulk's basically a, a toddler, you know, like he's a small child with this incredible power. Um, and I really, I really enjoy that stuff. And I think those bits, you know, they really got that and they, they did a really good job with that. There's also a weird thing though. I wanted to talk to you guys about, I know that you're not going to probably not going to do the X-Men movies, but there, there's a gag in this where he gets given the purple stretch pants and he just pulls the face and says, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'll take my chances or uh, something. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's so much reminded me of Wolverine saying like, what were you expecting spandex, you know, and whatever it was, X-Men like, what is that about? Why? Because that feels very dated as well. It feels like they stopped doing that joke, but early on they really felt the need to kind of say, "Hey, we're not comic books." I, I don't know. It just I, I it really. It, I think it's a time. sense of like the knowing nod to the audience, which like increasingly right. as these become more and more popular. There's less of a feeling of needing to sort of like wink to the continuity that that overtly, you know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, and you know, I I feel like you know now they're not afraid of costumes. Like you got Captain Marvel just full out in a in a, in a yeah. superhero costume running around. I mean, before then they did like before these movies really blew up. I mean, X Men came in a time where these were starting to show up, and you know, but at the same mm-hmm. time they wanted to keep a mainstream appeal more and maybe sort of ground these films in reality, quote unquote. So it's like, yeah, you don't give the X Men, you don't give Wolverine his fucking yellow suit. You give him some sort of functional, like yeah. uh, tactical jumpsuit kind of thing, right? Well, you know, and this is right. this is a year after the Dark Knight, and like that yeah. film weighs heavily over, you know, this mm. film. I think in in I mean, you know, has, has anyone tried to rewatch the Dark Knight at all lately? I haven't watched it's on it in the, a while. It's on the list because I'm going to be doing a podcast with um, George Lee at some point, maybe with Jack as well, where we talk about the Dark Knight trilogy. So I'm going to have to rewatch it. But no, it's been. <laughs> I watched the years. first 20 or 30 minutes of it. Uh, it's on Netflix in the US right now. So I watched the first oh, okay. little bit of it, like the bank heist, and then like another, like maybe 10 or 15 minutes and went, wow, this movie's a piece of shit. Oh, that's um, interesting. <laughs> it I really, mean, I mean, for me, for me, was always kind of a like mediocre action film from that era with like a brilliant performance contained mm. there. It really feels like you know this film is trying to ape that like tonally. It's trying to be the you know if Iron Man's kind of the kind of the goofier fun version, um, this is trying to kind of go for that that slightly moodier tone. Um, interestingly, because the uh, director Louis Leterrier also directed the the first two Transporter movies, which are definitely not you know kind of dark. Um, <laughs> You know, I I wish you know one of the things I was I was kind of thinking about I was I wish that they had because they're kind of like giving you know uh, Edward Norton's doing some like martial arts moves as Bruce Banner and stuff mm. I wish they had incorporated that a little bit more into into the film that like that there is a little bit more of a, a context of like the Hulk doing like some kind of like using using some kind of martial arts or something as a way of like controlling his 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 rage or whatever the right? the Hulk uh, puts. Uh... 
puts the abomination in a guillotine choke instead of just like throttling him with his hands. <laughs> that, no, well, he that does, final scene does not work for me at all. Like, no, it's should have done the crane kick from the end of Karate Kid. That was uh, all. <laughs> That's the move. <laughs> Sorry, Daniel. Oh no, not at all, not at all. Yeah, no. Um, it is. I mean, this film is. I mean, I think tonally, I think, I think in terms of concept, in terms of that, like first forty-five minutes to an hour, I think this film is one of the better one like one of the like, top tier mcu films and one of the top tier uh comic book films of its time uh, hmm. although it does i think in 2008 this felt a lot more paint by numbers than it feels now i think it feels like dated but in that kind of good way like kind of a throwback even though it's part of the yeah. you know it was at the time it was just what it was but i do think it kind of falls apart in the last third it's interesting the ways that they they change this character up when they it's not just a recast that they that they really do kind of like re-envision the character because yeah. i think the big picture for me is that i like this film overall but I don't think it fits into this universe very well. I don't think that like this kind of conception of the character and this kind of conception of this world really fits into where this series is going. Like it'd be hard to imagine, uh, you know, like the scene in the Avengers where um, you know Tony Stark is like joshing with Mark Ruffalo, and they're you know like that energy with Edward Norton in place of Mark oh, Ruffalo yeah, would just be would, like Fight no. Club Part Two. You know, yeah. it would literally be Tyler Durden like joshing with uh, you know the narrator, and and I think there's a there's a bit of a you know there's just a disconnect between you know not just Edward Norton just kind of being personally difficult to work with, but I think his acting style and his you know just just the way he would do the character doesn't fit into the slightly um goofier the the kind of more uh you know again dad body kind of version of the character that we're gonna get as we go on so um yeah i think that's the end of the podcast unless anybody has anything else to say no i'm good okay no yeah uh, i mean i just yeah i agree with you that it does, it does feel like a throwback it feels like they didn't quite know what the hell what they were doing i don't which well, i think is that, probably that, right that, that's actually obvious when you when you go back and rewatch any of these first five or six films yeah, yeah. um yeah. There, there's a lot of stuff that like just doesn't fit into anything that they're that they're gonna do and they and they kind of you know but, the, but i agree with you the last four or five that. of these sorry go ahead ken I was just saying, there's a charm to that, though, isn't there? You know. Well, I mean, yeah. it's both a it's both a positive and a negative. Like you look back at the right. first like four or five of these, and they feel very. This is a product that we're pumping out three a year at this point. You know, here at the beginning, they're just kind of trying stuff out and seeing what sticks. And yeah. um, there's a lot more uh, ability to, or kind of willingness to to kind of put out different kinds of stories. And um, I think there is a, I mean, there's something that's been gained and something that's been lost. And I think that's something that I'm interested in exploring as we kind of move hmm. forward. But it would be hard to imagine this film or something like this film being made in 2020. Like the, it's part of the <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, people expect w- way too much now from, well, maybe not way too much, but they definitely expect a different superhero movie now than, yeah. what you yeah, got that's right. from this yeah 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 so um yeah that's the end of the show thanks a lot for listening um kit tell us where we can find you on the internet um okay if you want to catch my random musings and and kind of rampant political opinions twitter's probably your best bet at kit gonzo um i write fiction you can buy it from amazon if you like ebooks or from your local independent bookshop if you like paperbacks if you like non-fiction go to ginger nuts of horror if you want to give me money to read my stuff before anyone else, patreon.com forward slash kit power. Awesome. Nice. We'll, we'll link all that in the show notes. Thanks. Lee, anything you uh, want to share? Uh, just if you, this is the first time you're hearing us, we're at tmbdos.podbean.com where you can find uh, this podcast and our regular podcast. They must be destroyed on site. And you can find all of our requisite links there for Apple podcasts, Facebook, YouTube. For some reason, I keep putting 
some of the shits up on YouTube still for some just, unknown just, reason. Just for the just for the comments. Just I guess. The- <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, if you want to if you want to hear that stuff, that's where we are. So go there. And uh, I'm on Twitter at Daniel Lee Harper. So uh, just everything I do kind of goes up there. So um, yeah, that's it. End of the show. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll see you next time with the incredibly uniquely titled Iron Man 2. <laughs> yeah. Electric, electric Boogaloo. <laughs> Either that or Back in the Habit. Electric Boogaloo is played out at this point, isn't it? Just when he thought it was safe to go back into the cinematic universe. No, that doesn't uh, Iron, Iron Man 2 from the novel Sapphire by Precious. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm stopping it there. <laughs> you have been listening to Cape Shit. For other episodes, please visit tmbdos.podbean.com. Thank you. Drive through. <laughs> <laughs>